book of John, John chapter 15, John chapter 15 and verse 26, John chapter 15 and verse 26. I appreciate that song and the special. My boy, I appreciate all of our musicians and for playing from the, for those who sing our choir and the specials and uh, the pianist and of course our orchestra here. Boy, if you've got a, a musical talent like that, you ought to put it to use, amen, and uh, put it to use for the Lord's glory. But John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 26, if you'd stand with me as you turn there, <clears throat> John chapter 15 and 26, forgive me, my voice is getting a little weak uh, this morning, so um Forgive me, uh, you, if you would, if I, I usually try to avoid taking drinks during the message, but I may end up taking a drink of water here, and so just forgive me a little bit this morning. But John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you by the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye, that ye should not be offended They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service. Well, what a sorry day that was. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of of sin, because they believe not of me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for the scripture that we have the opportunity to read this morning, to study this morning, and to preach from this morning. Lord, I pray that as I preach, that I would lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of how the Holy Spirit is said to testify of Christ. I pray the Holy Spirit would testify of Christ this morning. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, feed us from your word, give us exactly what we need in the scripture this morning. Lord, I pray that you give my voice the strength that is needed to say the things that are needed. And Lord, I just pray that you'd work in our hearts this morning. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Never Alone. Never Alone is the title of the message. As you know from past mornings, this passage of scripture, this setting happens. The Lord is just had the last supper with his disciples. He's just had those last few moments of that last... That last of the Passover suppers, the first of the Lord's suppers, and but that last moment with his disciples, is, and uh, Judas has already gone out to go betray the Lord and to get a soldier and bring them back to confront the Lord, and the Lord is having some of those last conversations with his disciples before he is betrayed by Judas in the garden. Here in this passage of Scripture, the Lord is reminding them of something incredible, of the Comforter. He's reminding them of the fact that they'll never be alone. Though he has been with them for three years, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. Now, he does warn them. 
Matter of fact, in verse 2, he says, They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service. He said, you're about to face some incredible hardships. Now, they knew Jesus was revealing to them some of the hardships that he was going to face. It wasn't a new thing that he had taught them, and he had been teaching them this for a while. They just weren't getting it. Matter of fact, Peter would rebuke the Lord in Matthew chapter 16. When Lord, after the Lord said, upon this rock I will build my church, he began to show them some of, the, some of the things he would go through, including this crucifixion. And Peter would rebuke the Lord and say, not so, Lord. He wanted the Lord to set up his kingdom on earth. And the Lord would return to Peter and rebuke him and say, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. They were looking for something different. And now he was reminding them the great hardship was about to come. And they were sorrowful. He was leaving. He even told them, you're going to face some of these hardships in that verse. Verse 3, he said, and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. He said, I'm telling you these things now because there's going to be a time when you're going to want to remember this conversation. (laughs) He said, there's coming a time. I'm warning you now that it's hard times are coming. And I want you to know when that hard time comes that, that I have prepared you for it. I want you to look back at this conversation and remember that I have prepared you for it. And one of the things he would remind them of is the incredible gift of the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. In the Bible, in the Lord that would tell Nicodemus, you must be born again. Not of, the, not of the flesh, but of the Spirit, they had to be born again. The Lord would say in uh, Romans chapter 8 uh, that we would receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He said, I'm leaving you with someone else. Though I'm passing off the scene, I don't want you to think that I am leaving you alone. He promised them because they knew, he knew they were going to need him. Matter of fact, he would say in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. He said, you need for me to leave because you need who's coming for what you are going to be doing for me. The Lord left them there with a purpose. Why didn't he call them home? Why didn't those disciples ascend up into glory from the Mount of Olives when the Lord ascended up into the Mount of Olives? Why didn't he just take them home to be with him when he ascended? Why couldn't he have just looked at those 120 and said, let's go, we're out of here? Because he left them there for a purpose, didn't he? To carry the gospel forth into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He said, the reason I'm not taking you home is because I have something for you to do. He reminded us that we have that same call in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and He made us ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He he wouldn't call them home because he left them with something to do. He didn't leave them for a time of ease, did he? Matter of fact, if we're not careful, we think the Lord was meant to provide us with ease as we go through this world. God didn't leave us here to promise us ease, and in many cases, he promised the opposite. But what he did promise them with was someone to go through it with them. The comforter. Someone who would come alongside of them as they went about the Lord's work, doing the Lord's business and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and baptizing the saved and discipling those who would come to know him. And he would equip them and strengthen them. And as the trials would come, he would work through them when they would spend their nights in jail, when they would be tried unjustly, when they would be beaten for doing right. He said, I have someone that will go with you. His name is the comforter. Someone that will equip you. Never alone. 
the Great Commission. And Jesus spake, came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you. How long? Always, even unto the end of the world. In case always was insufficient. Even unto the end of the world. Amen. Acts 1, 7 through 8, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. That's when upon his return, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Ghost come upon you. He had equipped them. He had strengthened them. In this passage of scripture, we're reminded of exactly some of the, some of the exact things the Holy Spirit does in our life as we are in his work in this world. Never alone. The first thing we see is he reveals the wonder of God. Look at verse 26 of chapter 15. When the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of what? Me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. He shall testify of me. Go to chapter 16 and verse 14. What does he say about the Holy Spirit now? He said, he shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and, and shall show it unto you. He reveals the, the wonder of God. He testifies to the Lord. How is it that we know who our Savior is? Who is it who speaks into our heart and reminds us of who the Son of God is? Who is it that uses us as we speak about Christ and lift him up? It is the Holy Spirit of God. You know, we live in a culture which in many places people are trying to make the Holy Spirit about magnifying man. Well, the Holy Spirit of God doesn't magnify man, he magnifies God. He's not about lifting up people. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist would say, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease. Be careful of a Holy Spirit that's supposed to make much out of a man. The Holy Spirit makes much out of the Savior, my friend. He would testify. He would testify of his Lord. He would testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it? Where is it that I find those fruits of the Spirit from? The love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the long-suffering, the faith, the temperance. I think it comes from this magnifying of the Lord in our life. How is it a man finds love in a circumstance that may not be very loving? Well, if you get a good glimpse of Jesus, you'll find it. How is it that a man finds joy in the midst of circumstances that should produce sadness? Well, you get a good look at Jesus, you will. Where is it that a man finds peace when the circumstances are filled with tribulation? As a matter of fact, the Lord would look at his disciples and say, In the world ye shall have tribulation. When you get a good look at Jesus, you will. It's that Holy Spirit of God who testifies of the Lord. It is what the Lord did in his time on earth. The man who was the nine, the ten men who were eaten up with leprous diseases. And there they were. And God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, would cleanse them of their disease. Lord Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, when the storms would rage, would say, peace be still. Nature itself would calm. Disease would flee. Lord would look at those uh, bodies afflicted not only by the disease, but by sin, and would say, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And their sins were forgiven. He would cast out the demons, and the demons would flee. 
all because of who he was. It is the Holy Spirit of God who inside the heart of man testifies of God. Where is it? When you're facing the struggle of life that's wearing you down, that you go find a, the joy of the Lord. Well, you open up that Bible of yours, you spend time in prayer, and all of a sudden someone begins to speak and remind you that God is bigger than disease, bigger than sin, bigger than nature. When 5,000 were hungry, he could feed them. He's bigger than any issue of life. And who is it who does the reminding of that? Well, it's the Holy Spirit of God that speaks to the heart of man. He said, guys, you're going to face some difficulties of life. I put you here and I've left you here to serve me. And, but I want you to know that I have not left you alone. I've left you with one who will testify of me. Who reminds me of who he is and of the goodness of God. That as we journey through the life, regardless of the struggle, I have one within who reminds me that my Lord is bigger than my struggle. Who calls me to prayer. And reminds me that I can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengtheneth me. Who is it that speaks to this world of how big God is as the Christian speaks? I wish that I had words that were sufficient. I, I am reminded in Exodus when the Lord called Moses to come to, to go to Pharaoh and to, and to tell Pharaoh the message, let my people go. And Moses would look at Pharaoh and say, I'm at the Lord as the Lord called him at the burning bush and said, I am not an eloquent man. I am slow of speech. I'll use that prayer because I'll pray that those similar verses because the Lord would speak back to Moses. I've made the scene. I have made the blind and say, I'll give you the words that you should speak. I remember when the Lord called me to preach and I'm reminded every time I go to preach, Lord, I'm not an eloquent man. I certainly could not speak words eloquent enough to describe the wonder of your son. But who can touch the heart of a man? with the wonder of who Jesus is. It is the Holy Spirit of God. That can touch our hearts as a song is sung, as a message is preached, as scripture is read. That as we share the good news of the gospel with a lost man and point them to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the Holy Spirit of God that can reach into the heart of a man and point out the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never alone. I will tell you something, friend. We should never feel alone in the Christian life because there's one who goes with me that testifies of the Savior. We should never feel alone when pointing a lost man to the Lord Jesus Christ because there's one that touches their heart as we reach to their head with the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. He testifies of the Lord. He glorifies the Lord. Be weary, my friend, in this world when people try to shape what the Holy Spirit does into something that draws attention to man because the Holy Spirit of God is not in the business of drawing attention to you. He's in the business of drawing attention to the Son. Boy, what God does in our heart when our attention is on Him. The love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the long-suffering, temperance, the faith that comes from putting your gaze on the Lord as the Holy Spirit stirs. Now watch for a moment. Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Scripture, the Holy Spirit spake 
And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed in the day of redemption. In other words, he's not going anywhere, but don't grieve him. Because when you turn from him, the one who lifts up Christ, who draws our attention to the Lord, where does the love go, the joy go, the peace go, the gentleness go, the faith go, the temperance go? Because those things are found as the Holy Spirit of God draws our attention to the throne of God. He does a work. He does a work in our life. He testifies. He reveals the wonder of God. Notice what else the Holy Spirit does in our life. He reveals the work of God. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go unto my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. Well, what the Holy Spirit does through us in this world and often does in us in the work of God, he reminds us of sin. Because they believe not on me, the Lord would say. Go back to chapter 15 and look up here just a few verses. To verse, verse 21 of chapter 15. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. This is Jesus speaking. Because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no what? Cloak for their sin. John 3, 19 through 21, Jesus said this, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light and either cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Boy, the Holy Spirit of God testifies of Christ and what does Christ do? Well, he makes sin obvious, doesn't he? He exposes sin. The world has a hard time with Christ. Because in order for him to die sin, for sin, there had to be some sin to die for, friend. He exposes it. Holy Spirit of God. Have you ever had God, the Holy Spirit, speak to your heart about your own sin in your life? He just won't let you go on in it, will he? He's not going to let it happen. You'll lose your joy. You lose your gentleness, your love, your peace. You'll lose those fruits of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit's just not going to let you do it. He's not going to let you walk in sin. He's going to convict your heart about it because that's what He does. He does it in the life of a sinner. What is the first step to knowing someone to come into that place of putting in your trust in Christ? Well, In order to have a relationship with him, you must first realize it was broken by sin. Am I right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. For the wage of sin is what? Death. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Boy, the Lord Jesus Christ shines his light upon sin and makes it obvious and clear and calls it out by name in his word. That Holy Spirit of God who reveals the holiness of God and lets us see the unholiness of ourselves without Him. 
He makes it obvious. Boy, be leery of places that don't expose sin because they're absent of the working of the Holy Spirit. Because I will tell you this, the Holy Spirit of God won't let sin go uncalled out. Because a man must first know that he's a sinner in order to know that he needs a Savior. He calls it out. A work of the Holy Spirit is that as, we, as, I, as someone shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with you and talks about sin, it's like the Holy Spirit knocks on the heart of man and says, yeah, and this is your sin. This is your sin. This is what you're letting happen. And that sin is just proof that you are a sinner. He calls it out in this world. The disciples would go preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it just simple faith in Jesus that made people so angry? No. It was the fact that their righteousness was insufficient. It wasn't that there was one who died that bothered them. It was that there was one who had to die for them because they were a sinner that bothered them. It wasn't that he was the son of God so much that bothered him so much as he revealed in their life that they were insufficient and that their works of righteousness were worth absolutely nothing. He reveals sin. He revealed it in your own life. As you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with another, he'll touch their heart and remind them of the fact that they're a sinner. But he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 10, of righteousness, because I go to my father... And ye see me no more. Righteousness found in the person of Jesus Christ. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He reveals a righteousness that is only available through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'll tell you this, there is no righteousness outside of the righteousness of God. There was no righteousness in this world outside of the righteousness of God. As a matter of fact, he said there is none righteous. You could name every person on the face of this earth and find none righteous but one. And his name was Jesus. Well, righteousness is only found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Holy Spirit of God that reminds us that righteousness is only found when you come to know the Lord. The Bible talks in that verse, it says, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. Didn't say the gift, it didn't say, uh, for, by, for the wage of sin is death, but through hard works, good works, good deeds, prayer, church attendance, being a nice person. Good outweighing the bad. He said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, the righteousness of God is revealed through the heart of man as that Holy Spirit of God speaks to a man, condemns a man of his sin and reveals the righteousness that's available through the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something, Christian? The Holy Spirit of God should condemn sin sin in your life 
and point us to the righteousness of God. In a lost world, as you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, he'll reveal sin and he'll, he'll show us where righteousness comes from. You know why you can go around and people are, all, people are pretty comfortable with Hinduism. They're pretty comfortable with a lot of the other religions of this world. These good works, they're fine with all that. But you start talking about Jesus and something changes. What changes? Someone poked him in their heart. With every other religion of the world, there's some man outside speaking to someone's head. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's one called the Holy Spirit that takes it from the head all the way to the heart and jabs them in their heart that they're a sinner. And righteousness only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. The working of God. The conviction of God. We see not only does he remind us of sin, the work of God that reproves sin and the work of God that provides righteousness, but the word of God to bring judgment. Look at verse 11. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is what? Judged. Revelations 20, 7 through 15 gives us a glimpse into the future. It says this, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. That's the prince of this world. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sea, sand of the seas. And they went up the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. This, that's the lost. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to his works, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. John 3, 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Well, that Holy Spirit of God reminds us not only of sin and of righteousness, but of judgment. God is the only one capable of judging sin because he's only one without sin. And that Holy Spirit of God that does a work both in us and through us, in, in the world, he uses us as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ to touch a man's heart about a sin that's touched his life, to remind him of the righteousness of God given because of the love of God, but also to remind them the prince of this world, his day is coming, amen. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And one day, the devil against maybe his very own will will bow the knee to his Lord and recognize him. But he will also be cast to be tormented forever and ever. And so will every soul that doesn't put their faith in Christ. Condemned already. Friend, if you are waiting to find out when you stand before your God, if the good outweighs the bad, 
the judgment call has already been made. The good does not outweigh the bad. Sin has condemned you. And the wrath of God rests upon you. And one day, depart from me, for I never knew thee. To be cast forever from his presence into a bottomless pit without Christ. To be tormented forever. A message the Holy Spirit of God speaks to his heart when, God, when he's confronted with the gospel. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment and justice. He touches the heart of a man. Do you remember when that message touched your heart? Wednesday night in May of 1995. Madera Baptist Church, Cincinnati, Ohio. Message from the book of 1 John. My heart was touched. You're a sinner. The cost of that sin is death and hell separated from your God. You're a sinner, Seth Hahn. There is the righteousness of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I was reminded that righteousness and forgiveness was found through Christ. But if I rejected it, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, which is the second death, that judgment awaited. I made a decision. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That belief of the heart produced a call from my lips. And I found the righteousness and the love of God. Who did it? Well, some man preached the Bible. But the Holy Spirit of God caught my heart. Never alone. Can I tell you in the work of God, as you go about your week, you have that friend or that co-worker, <clears throat> that family member without Christ, that needs to hear the message, you remember this. As you share the message, somebody else is working on their heart. Never alone. Oftentimes we stumble over it in fear or refuse to do it because we think we may not do it just right. And there's one speaking to the heart that'll do it just right if you just share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's one who speaks to the heart as we share the gospel, never alone. He testifies of the Lord. He, he reveals the wonder of the Lord. He reveals the work of God. He reveals the word of God. And I'm finished here. Verse 12, chapter 16. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he now shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Those verses I read from Revelation just a moment ago, speaking of the devil's judgment and the great white throne judgment, old John would write those words too. Actually, John would just merely be the pen as the Holy Spirit of God spoke to his heart. He would begin to write of things to come. And who would speak to him of those things to come? Well, that Holy Spirit of God who moved in and took up residence in his heart. 
he would look back one day and that Holy Spirit of God would remind him of this conversation that he had with the Lord and he would begin to write down the very words as the Holy Spirit of God spake to his heart. He would begin to write in Revelation and speak of the seven churches and he would begin to write of what is to come in the tribulation of things to come. Paul the apostle would begin to pen in the, in the pages, in the epistles, the, the great truths of the rapture, something yet to come because the Holy Spirit of God spake to his heart. The incredible word of God. And that same Holy Spirit of God who gave us the canon of Scripture, the Word of God that we can lean on is the same Holy Spirit of God who teaches us the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 15. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but with the Holy Ghost teacheth. Well, that same Holy Spirit of God that would use these men to give us the remainder of the Word of God is the same Holy Spirit of God that lives in the heart of the Christian that teaches us the things of God. As I open up this book, time after time after time, that Holy Spirit, as I open up the Scripture, open up my eyes to the wonder of His Word. It teaches me more and more, day by day, little by little, the incredible truths of God's word. The same thing as I teach the word of God, that same Holy Spirit of God that touches the heart of a man as someone preaches or teaches the word of God. Brother Morrison's testimony. Trusted Christ when you were 25, am I right, Brother David Moore, Brother Morrison? 25 years of age. He told me you went to church the majority of your life, right, even before that. But he said the scripture never really <clears throat> meant a whole lot to him at all until at the age of 25 he trusted Christ. Then at 25, he picked the Bible up and began to read it through. What changed? What changed? A teacher. And his name was the Holy Spirit of God. He began to open up the scripture and teach his heart the incredible truths of God's word. What changes a man? Never alone. Never alone. And as we go through this world, he would look at his disciples and he said, fellas, I want you to remember these very words. I'm leaving. His exit in terms of his life on earth would end abruptly and brutally. Thankfully, it didn't just end there. He rose again three days later. Amen. Some 40 days from that day, from the Mount of Olivet, he would ascend up into glory, telling them, I'm coming again. While you're here, I'm not leaving you alone. There's a comforter that will testify of me in your own heart. There's a, test, there's a comforter who would testify of me to a world as you talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a comforter who will reveal sin and show us where the righteousness of God comes from and convict a heart about the judgment that is coming one day. And there is one for the one who trusts in Christ who will open up the incredible word of God and teach us its truths. Never alone. No matter what comes my way, 
Peter, he would say. Peter, by tradition, says he was crucified upside down, refused to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. No doubt the man who had denied him three times, his Savior, would say, don't crucify me that way. They would crucify him upside down. Disciple after disciple would give their life, looking back to this conversation, knowing that there was one who walked with them, and his name was the Comforter. I'll tell you something, Christian. There is one who walks with us. He'll testify to the Lord in your own life. He'll use you to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Shows the sinful condition of man, the righteousness only available through God and the coming judgment upon this world. And it doesn't have to be just how well I speak it. But there's one name, the Holy Ghost, who convicts a man's heart. And then there's one who teaches us the incredible word of God. I would ask you this first of all. Do you know him? Do you know him? He's the one who seals us under the day of redemption. He's the one who seals us under the day of redemption. His spirit bears witness with what? Our spirit. Friend, if there's no conviction, there's no conversion. If you're living a life absent the conviction of the Holy Spirit when it comes to sin, you may not be His. It's something to look at. If you're living a life without knowing what it is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and it's merely a factual process of your life, you might ask yourself, Do I know him? Because, friend, never alone. Never alone. Not always have I been close, but I have never been forsaken. Sometimes I need to pray and get right with God to know his working in my life again. To ask his forgiveness for my grieving of his spirit in my life as I chose to reject his voice rather than yield to his voice. But never alone. Never alone. There's one who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never. And what does he do in my life? The first thing he does is he testifies of the Son. Tell you this, if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll testify the Son. And you know how I know? Because it's what He does. It's who He is. You cannot, if He's in control, then that's what He's going to do. Speak of the Son. The work in our life, convict of sin, show us the righteousness of God and the coming judgment of God, and He'll teach us the incredible truths of this incredible book. Never alone. I know when I came to know Christ. I don't know when I'm leaving this world behind. But I know between now and then, I'm never walking a step by myself. I have someone with me who will testify the sun in my life. When the storm looks big, he'll remind me. He said, peace be still, Seth. When sin seems to loom, hey, Seth. He is a forgiver of sin. When 
health struggles are there, he reminds me there's one who can heal. When death looms, he reminds me that he is the resurrection and the life. And the other side of this one, I've got an eternity with the Savior. Because of Jesus. As we go about the work of God, the message of the gospel is not a convenient message, is it? If you will share it, you're going to have to call out sin. But there's one who will cut touch the heart of the one who has sin in their life. The love of God, he'll touch their heart about the righteousness of God. He'll touch their heart about the coming judgment of God. It's why a man who rejects Christ can't abide the Christian. Because they do not know him, the Father, nor the Son. And he's convicted their heart. But in the middle of it all, there's one who will teach me the incredible truths of this incredible book. So that I might know its author better and better and better. Until the day I see him face to face. And I don't know. Not only do I know all of this. But I get to see his face one day. Never alone. Has bowed and eyes closed. Lord we love you and we thank you for the scripture. We thank you for the comforter. Or that we can go through this life and we know this. We don't walk through it alone. I do know this Lord. Sometimes we walk through it like we're walking alone. Sometimes we fail to spend time with you by spending time in your word or in prayer. Sometimes we fail to trust in you. We lean more on an understanding of ourselves and of this world rather than an understanding of God. Paul would say that I may know him. Or he just wanted to know you. I pray that we would lean on that incredible gift of the Holy Spirit that will teach us about our God through your word that would magnify Christ in our life. That would equip us, Lord, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You didn't leave us here without purpose and without reason. You left us here on purpose and with a reason, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that those who may not know the Lord would come to know the Lord. You didn't leave us here without someone to help us in that work, that help is the comforter, the one who comes alongside and encourages us and strengthens us and equips us. Lord, I pray we would lean on you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you this question. First of all is, do you know the Lord? Could you say for a fact, preacher, I I know that I'm on my way to heaven. I know him. I have a relationship with you. I could give you a Bible reason for why I know I'm on my way to glory. I'm not asking you if you know about him or if you know his name. I'm asking, do you know him? Was there a time in your life when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you if you've always believed because that doesn't go anywhere, friend. Have you trusted in him? When did you come to that place where you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Could you say this morning, preacher, I know that for a fact. I know that I'm on my way to heaven because I know him. That's a settled thing for me. Would you raise your hand as a testimony between you and I and the Lord? Preacher, I know him. Thank you. May put your hand down. Is there anybody here this morning say, preacher, that's not me. I'm unsure. I don't know him, but I want to know Christ this morning. I want to put my trust in him and know heaven is my home. If that's you, would you raise your hand as just a testimony between you and I and the Lord? You say, preacher, would you pray for me? I want to know him this morning. I want to know that and have that settled in my life. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Thank you so much. Let me put your hand down. Let me ask you this, Christian. How many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart? Maybe it's a reminder to lean on the Lord, to run to his word, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe a simple reminder that you are not alone as you do the work of God. But you'd say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? Would you stand with me? And as that pianist begins to play, 
As God has spoken in your heart, would you come forward? If you raise your hand, you'd like to trust Christ, I'd love to have someone show you from the Word of God. And Would you come forward? But boy, as God has spoken to your heart, 